You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah B'Shem and Shizra 5780-2020. This week's Parsha in Eretz Yisrael is Parsha's Bolak. And I'd like to share with you a thought from the Medjish at the beginning of the Parsha. Vayar Bolak ben Sipur. The Medjish tells us an amazing thing. <clears throat> the Pasuk tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect. God is perfect. Everything that He does is with justice. Everything that He does is fair. We learn an amazing thing about, about Bilam in, in comparison to Moshe Rabbeinu Lahavdil. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest prophet of the Jewish people that we ever had. And Bilam was, perhaps you could say, the greatest prophet that the non-Jewish world ever had. And the Medrash tells us a famous idea, which has to do with the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want there to be any opportunity, so to speak, for the non-Jewish world, for the Goyim, to complain and say, hey, they had Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, who did we have? And that's part of the reason why Hashem gave them Bilam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the Umas HaOilam, He says to them, I don't want you to say at some point that I caused you to be distanced from me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're going to see in the Medrash, not only when, in regards to the prophet of Bilam, do we find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something in order to try to connect to the nations of the world, but there are a few different circumstances and instances where Hashem indeed reached out, so to speak, to the nations of the world, and there was a certain rejection. And we're going to see what's the core of that rejection. Because we need to understand for ourselves how we can indeed accept when Hashem reaches out to us, so to speak. What did Hashem do? Just like Hashem stood up kings and wise people and prophets from the people of Israel, Hashem did the same thing for them. Kings, wise people, Prophets. We find that who was the greatest king of the Jewish people, perhaps? Was the, he was the one who built the Beis HaMikdash, the first temple. He was the one who ruled over the entire Jewish people, and not only that, but he ruled over the entire world. It was Shlomo Melech, King Solomon. So, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia. So he also was somebody who indeed ruled over the entire world. He had dominion over the entire world. Now let's look at the difference between what each of them did with their power. King Solomon built the Holy Temple. And he said numerous praises to God and supplications. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? He destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. And he cursed God as it were. For Omar El Albama say of He said, I will climb up onto the He made himself in, in a certain sense to be a God. Okay, so King Solomon, what did he do? He lowered his own ego. The greatness that he had, the wealth that he had, the kingship that he had, the dominion that he had, he used it in order to praise God, to bring about an awareness of God, to build a temple. What greater awareness of God was there? than the temple, that place where the human beings met God, so to speak. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the nations, however, what did he do? He used his power in the opposite way. He used his power to destroy the temple. 
and to curse God, to defy God. Okay, Nasala David Aisher, we find that King David, Hashem gave him an incredible amount of wealth. Nasala David Aisher, what did he do? He set down the foundations of the Beis HaMikdash of the Temple. He was the one who sought all of his life to be able to build that temple. He wasn't able to, his son did. Who is the person in the nations of the world who Hashem gave a great level of wealth? It was Haman, Haman Arasha, the antagonist of the story of Purim. He had great wealth, and what did he do with his wealth? He used that wealth to try to take an entire nation, the Jewish people, and to try to kill them. Says the Medrash, every single greatness that we find that the Jewish people had it was something that also the nations of the world had. Now we get to our parsha. Hashem gave the Jewish people the greatest prophet ever, which was Moshe Rabbeinu. And so, in order to, in order that there not be a taino of the Umas Ha'elam, the nations of the world shouldn't complain, they also got a prophet. His name was Bilam. Let us see the difference between the prophets, prophets of the Jewish people and the prophets of the nations of the world. The people of Israel, their prophets, exhort them not to sin. We see in Yechezkel, chapter 33, verse 7, one of the functions of a prophet is to make sure to exhort the Jewish people not to sin. What did Bilam do? Bilam did all that he could to cause the Jewish people to sin. His job was the opposite. He saw himself as somebody who had the opportunity and the ability to cause a great downfall and a great and a great disconnect from Hakadosh Baruch Hu through sin, through the through the sin of the Midianite women. All of the Jewish prophets. So they used, they used their ability to see and to, and to give exhortation in order to express their rachamim, their compassion on the Jews, on the Jewish people, and also upon the nations of the world. Jeremiah says, He speaks about the fact that his heart goes out to the Moabite people and he is his... His heart is like a flute. They used to use flutes in order to eulogize as part of the eulogy. So he was saying something, he was saying something that he, he was concerned about them. He was also asked, Yechezkel Ezekiel was also asked to say a kina, a sad lamentation about the place called Tzur, which is a place of non-Jews. You find Yonah Hanavi, doesn't mention this in the Medrash, Yonah Hanavi is sent to cause the people of Nineveh to repent, even though ultimately they would be a negative force against the Jewish people. And this cruel person, Bilam HaRasha, he went out in order to cause destruction to the Jewish people, to a whole entire nation, for nothing. They had done nothing wrong. Says the Medrash, this is why the Torah gives us the Parsha of Bilam, to explain to us why Kaddish Baruch Hu 
why God took away the the Ruach HaGodesh, the divine inspiration from the nations of the world. Because look, Bilaam came from them. Bilaam could have been the greatest prophet that indeed brought them close to God, but instead he was not. Instead he caused destruction, he caused he caused curses, he brought about sins between the Jewish people and, and God. Now, what's very interesting about the magician, what requires explanation, is what is the idea here? What is the theme or what is the core root of the problem? Why does Hashem indeed give them this opportunity? How do they blow it, so to speak, in each of these circumstances? What's the, what's the idea in each of these examples and what can we learn from it? What can we learn from it? And I was thinking about this idea, and I was thinking about the there's a there's a concept which I don't want to get into the precise um, context of the concept that the Ishbitzer talks about, where he speaks about a certain a- aspect of revelation. That in the story of Purim, there was a certain aspect of revelation. Hakadosh Baruch was about to reveal himself. The second temple was about to be rebuilt, and there was a certain revelation. He talks about in the Klipa, in the side of evil, there was an evil revelation. Which was not, which was the 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 nations of the world tried to grab. They tried to grab a certain aspect of revelation, which was wrong, which was inappropriate. I don't want to get into it, but the idea is like this. This is a very powerful idea. And this is a concept that is based on the Ishbitzer, and that is that in the times of Mashiach, let's say, the times of Mashiach, we talk about the fact that there's a great Osher. There's a great expansion. There's a great expansion. Okay? We talk about the fact that there's a Gemara in Shabbos that speaks about the fact that when Mashiach comes to Machlechus, is it going to continue in the way that it always always was? Is there still, are there still going to be poor people? Or is everyone going to be rich? One Shita says that they're all going to be rich. And one Shita says that no, the, the world will continue as it is. Some will be rich, some will be poor. The rich will help out the poor, etc. Now, what is the idea Actually, before we get to what is the idea, the, the, one of the explanations of the difference between these two opinions is that there are two different kufas, both of which I spoke about in the recent Mashiach podcast that I put out, which I encourage you to check out. You can find it on my website, arigoldbeck.com. And so the, the, there's a concept of Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. There are two different kufas, two different time periods in the onset of Mashiach, in the onset of the, the new Tkufa in the world, this new time period in the world of Mashiach. The first is characterized by a more natural process, by th- things are moving up, things are moving forward, there's amazing advances in technology, there's amazing, uh, you know, Klaisal has returned to, to the land of Israel, where I believe we're in that time already of Mashiach ben Yosef. But certain aspects remain the same. There are still poor people. There are still sick people. There's, there's still problems in marriages. But within that, there's all kinds of tools to be able to, to rectify the situation. There are people with tremendous wealth, reminiscent of the future time of Mashiach and David, when everyone will be wealthy. And those who are wealthy are able to help those who are poor. In other words, the, the distribution of this amazing experience which we're going to have in the future is uneven in the time of Mashiach and Yosef. Okay, so for example, you can have part of the world where people are, indeed, there's, there's medicine, and people are living to ripe old ages, 80, 90, 100 years old, and then the other parts of the world where the medicine hasn't reached it there yet. 
Right? That's the time period that we're in now, and that characterizes the time period of Mashiach ben Yosef. It's a time where there's open revelations of something that's going to come in the future. There's greater wealth. There's greater ability to provide for people. There's more food. There's more people, over 7 billion people in the world now. But it's not yet that time. The future time, the times of Mashiach ben David, is a time when everyone will be rich. When everyone will be healthy, there will be no more sickness, no more poverty, no more wars, no more problems. Everything will be rectified. That's the time of Mashiach ben David. Okay? But what happens, now this is where we get to the interesting part, and it relates very much to our measures. What happens when a person tries to access it, and it's not for them? They're not really on that level. They're not really there yet. Let's say a person, for example, a great example of this is, person wins the lottery. So there have been studies that have been done by people who, of people, I'm sorry, who won the lottery. They get, all of a sudden, they were very, they didn't have money before. They suddenly got a tremendous amount of wealth and it broke them. It destroyed them. They couldn't handle the wealth. They didn't know what to do with it. They hadn't earned it. And as a result of that, there's what we call a shvira sakelem. Their vessels were broken. Their vessels the, the, the cup couldn't hold that much. And because of that, they became depressed. They became deranged. They had all kinds of problems. One of the, one of the people who was interviewed by, the, by these people who were doing this, doing this study, so the person who was interviewed said, I wish it on you that this should happen to you. You should see what it's like to have such a terrible curse of having so much money. The idea is that when a person has osher, which is really, in a certain sense, an aspect of the times of Mashiach ben David, when a person has that but doesn't, doesn't really have the kalim for it, it can destroy them. And that's true of all of the things that are going to be in that time. If a person would get Ruach HaKadosh today, if a person would have an open revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it would destroy them. They wouldn't be able to handle it. If a person would have... Um, and any of the things that, that we're going to experience, if the Jewish, you know, think about it, let's look, look at what's going on in the world right now with the annexation. If we would have a, an expansion within Eretz Yisrael, the nations of the world can't, for whatever reason, they can't handle it. The Jewish people are expanding in the land of Israel. And even we ourselves, look at the response of so many of the liberal aspects of the Jewish people. They can't deal with a Jewish expansion. This is the idea of Jewish expansion is something which is really for the times of Mashiach ben David. But we're getting it now already. We're getting it. It was forced on us. I mean, in a certain sense, that until 1948, we were, we, were, we were trying to get it. 1967, we had, the war was forced upon us, and that expansion was forced upon us. And we got this incredible expansion. We got all of Yehuda Shamron, We got the Golan Heights. We got all of the Sinai Desert. Unbelievable expansion. It was forced on us. We weren't ready for it yet. We weren't able to contain it yet. Certain things we were. Other things we weren't. So, uh, a great example, Moshe, Moshe Dayan. He was, uh, he was the, some of the Arabs, some of the people in Yehuda Shamron were actually forced to convert to Islam. They were Jews. And they came to Moshe Dayan, this group of people, and they said, let us back. And he said, we don't want you. He didn't respond. He didn't take them in. Right? That's an, an example of, here's an open revelation we can't receive it because we're not holding on that level. Another example of it is the fact that when we, when we, Harabai Biadenu, right? We had the Harabais. We had the Temple Mount. 
they expected us to destroy, to knock down their temple that's on the Temple Mount, their, their mosque. But we didn't do it. We didn't have the guts to do it yet. Right? When Mashiach bin David comes, when we get to that stage, it will be obvious. The correct, the, the temple that belongs there is a Jewish temple. This is Eretz Yisrael, this is our holy land. It will be obvious. But we're not yet in that time. And so this is the foundational idea, an amazing idea, that when you have something, when you have a, a spiritual revelation, because really, Osher, wealth is a spiritual revelation, because it's the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving you what you need. That's what wealth really is. You have everything that you need. When that kind of revelation occurs, and we don't have the ability to receive it, there's a sheer sakel and there's a destruction. Now let's look back at this medrash, and we'll see that this is the concept. Hashem says, I want to connect to you, Umas Eilam. Now there's something special about the Jewish people, which is that we are, in a certain sense, on a, on a higher level. We can also be on a much lower level. right? That's why we have the contrast between the, the, the highest levels of the Jewish people and the lowest levels of the Jewish people. But for the most part, the Jewish people in the state of Tikkun is able to, be, is able to contain, to receive, to be a kli, a vessel for the light that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give us. Now what happens when he offers that same light to the Umas Sa'ilam? So when there's a king of the Jewish people, he builds a base Hamikdash, and this is foundational, so it's so important. He focuses the, the gifts that he has, the expansion that he has, the relationship that he has with God, and the relationship that he has with the entire world. He is the leader of the world. King Solomon was the leader of the entire known world at the time. He uses that power for what? Not for self, self-aggrandizement, not to make himself great, not to... That's not it. He builds the temple. He builds the base of English. He builds that place whose focus is connection to God. What does Nebuchadnezzar do when he's the king of the entire world? He destroys everything. Let's look around the world today at those nations who want to uh, take other nations underneath them. What are they trying to do with that? Are they trying to raise people up, to expand, to come close to God? Or are they... dominating them, trying to destroy them, trying to hurt them. Let's think about the words of certain nations wishing to wipe other nations off the map. Right? That's the character of an Avikachavim, a leader of the nations of the world. He wants domination. World domination, what? For himself. He he causes destruction with his domination. What does David HaMelech, what does King David do with his wealth? He lays the foundations of the temple. What does Haman do with his wealth? He wants to destroy. Hashem gives wealth. Why? In order for us to expand. In order for us to have spiritual acquisitions. In order for us to give tzedakah, to, to give to others. To expand. That's the foundation here. And the last example, of course, is Bilam. Moshe Rabbein, what does he do with his nevuah? What do the Jewish prophets do with their nevuah? They have rachmanas, they have mercy upon everybody, the Jews. And the non-Jews, that's what they do. They want to expand the, the relationship of the people with God and with each other. That's the goal of the Navi, the Navi of the Jewish people. What does Bilam do? Bilam causes destruction. Bilam causes the Jewish people to sin. He uses the expansion that he has. He uses the connection to God, the understandings, the insights that he has in order to cause constriction. That's what it comes down to. And that's the foundation. And it's so important to understand this. Kodesh Baruch Hu gives us money. Kodesh Baruch Hu gives us understanding. Kodesh Baruch Hashem has given us so many tools. What do we do with those tools? Are we an instrument in God's hand for expansion? 
for connection, for love, for rachmanus, for mercy, compassion? Or are we a tool? Do we use the power that God gave us to be constricted? Are we miserly? Are we, are we, uh, do we not share our talents, our insights with others? What do we do with the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us? And so the focus always needs to be, and this is what we learn from Bilam Russia. This is what we learn in the contrast between the gifts that Hashem gave to the Jewish people and the gifts that He's given to the nations of the world. The Jewish people have the capacity to expand with these powers, to share these powers, to have rahmanas, to have compassion on others with these powers. And so that is the foundation of the idea which I wish, wish to share with you. And I would like to also mention that here we are, it's Parshas Balak, which is my 13-year anniversary of these podcasts. And I invite you to expand and to share, just as I, I don't usually make this kind of appeal, but I'd like to ask you to go into my website, go to argolag.com. There's on the side, on the left side of the page, you'll see the donate. I encourage you to indeed, if you have benefited from these Divrei Torah and you want to see them continue, Baruch Hashem, as consistently every single week as we've done for the last 13 years, I encourage you and ask you to indeed go there to argolag.com and click on the donate button on the left side of the page. It will bring you to a donate button. And I want to say thank you to all of you for watching. It's encouraging to receive feedback and it's encouraging to know so many people out there are benefiting and enjoying the Divrei Torah. And thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.